Welcome to the Plan for Special Needs Trusts podcast, presented by PLAN, the Planned Lifetime Assistance Network of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Our plan is your plan. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and today we present another partnership with a great organization, the ARC of Massachusetts, enhancing the lives of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, including autism, helping them and their families through advocacy, programs that promote inclusion, and create sustainable change in the lives of people with disabilities. We're thrilled to welcome the executive director of the ARC of Massachusetts, Leo Sarkissian, to today's podcast. I'd like to talk with you very briefly about the arc of arc, if I can use that expression, the history. When one goes to your website, take a look at the timeline, and it's really impressive. It goes all the way back to the 60s, and there's a great picture of JFK in the White House. I I don't need you to do a whole treatise, but give us a little uh, uh, arc timeline, if you would. Happy to do it, Jordan. Great seeing you. Um, Yeah, I mean, the history of the arc reflects the history of America, I would argue, like from even the 50s through, you know, today and hopefully into the future. Um, And it really um, started with families getting together. And there was the post-World War II era where the baby boom happened. And there was more people who had children with disabilities, right? And and the term, the old term that we use for intellectual disability, um, I mean, that term was a catch-all for so many disabilities, whether you're talking about Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, we didn't know much about autism then. Um, so, so that's really the start of it. And, you know, when you talk about JFK, you know, it's pretty cool because, uh, he came to the art convention, national convention. Um, there's a photograph, uh, of him with people from the art standing with Eunice Shriver, you know, his sister, right. And he's handing a pen. And that was, uh, months before his death when he signed, I think in that case, it was the child maternal health act, which is around today to make sure the right kind of prevention activities go on when kids have a disability, whether in those days, the two catch-all terms were mental illness and the previous term for intellectual disability. So those were the big catch-all terms. And uh, then the arc goes on, you know, unfortunately he, he dies. The Kennedys still play a big role in the movement and, and their own work. And then you have Lyndon Johnson passes the Developmental Disabilities Act, and you have Republicans and Democrats working together to advance disability. And the arc, both locally, statewide, and nationally, is just like American democracy, active in trying to advance policy for people with disabilities. I know that there's a lot on the table legislatively. We'll talk in general terms about how that works. But you said something that I really want you to focus on again, and that is the cooperation that people have. I mean, we all have a vested interest in our kids in the future and in people who need a lift and a hand and infighting that's going on everywhere. It's kind of nice to know that in some cases we can agree on some things. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased. Like, um, we're hoping there'll be a resurgence, you know, of that bipartisanship. We're, we're against the grain that way, just like we're against the grain in terms of inclusion. Like, we want people to be included, but many Americans are in silos, right? So if you think about it, it's an irony, you know, and again, the arts, not just a policy advocacy group, but it's also about education and helping people understand what the tools are out there and the ways that they can advance trying to get them used. So we have dissension in our world, but thankfully it's never, well, let's put it this way on the whole, we're a pretty cohesive movement, despite yeah. maybe differences in, in here and there. You well, know, well, you, you just outlined the sort of the mission statement and that's certainly 
been the case. I, I was telling Leo that in my radio career, which is as long as Leo's career in what he's doing, I've followed the path of ARC and how it's evolved and how it's added to its roster of things to do. And I think I'd like to start with that. You know, you mentioned um, uh, children who are on the spectrum, uh, and this is something that wasn't even thought of 30 years ago. So um, what are some of the major developments in, say, the last couple of decades that people who are new to this, maybe young parents, should know about? Well, okay, sure. And and would you think the inclusion piece, like from uh, segregation to community, is something people get today, right? You think that's, or is it still something people think the inst- better institutions would be better than community living? Do you, I, I'm, that was a big fight. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you can expound on that because I believe sure. you're right. I think people still think uh, NIMBY, not in my backyard for certainly, but also, well, we don't want to, people don't want to deal with things that they don't feel comfortable with. You guys do deal with it every day. But but what have you seen advancement-wise sure. in terms of acceptance? So that's, so that's the big issue where I feel like there is less NIMBY going on than there was in the 70s, 80s. You know, when, mm. believe it or not, it was all in the 1970s and 80s, though. Maybe that sounds ancient now, Jordan, you know. <laughs> not to some of us. <laughs> right. But young people be saying, oh, my God, you know, it's like when I was watching movies of the 30s and 40s. Right. But uh, the reality is that's something we can't go back from, because, you know, if you're using public funding or your own money and you're trying to build a life, you know, it's it's silly to not spend the dollar in a way that's going to keep people near people, near their family, mm-hmm. near extended family, near their neighbors, instead of moving someone to a, even a residence that fits five, six people that's four towns away. You know, in the old days, what they did was say, hey, there's an institution, state school. Let's send your child there. Don't worry about them. They'll take care of them. And that is something we're far away from now, thankfully. Um, but other other advancements, we talk about equity now. You know, it's not just about, you know, civil rights issue for uh, people does require resources. Right. It's not just something that's you think about. So for a person with a disability to be able to have equity, you also sometimes have to invest differently than you would for a person without disability. So that's a huge thing, both on the money side, but also on the conceptual side for people to understand what equity really means. So if John Smith happens to have a significant disability and that includes health issues, you don't just say, sorry, John's not as valued as someone else. And and these days, of course, it's, it's different because of COVID, right? And the impact of the pandemic, we worry about equity a lot, but equity in education too, not just healthcare, equity in terms of workforce, equity in terms of access to housing. So that's a big change that I think the language of equity that perhaps we didn't have mm. uh, before. And that's, that's also a language we need to keep in mind with race and ethnic background, which, you know, conti- also continue, even in our field, you know, we have only so many resources. So of course the people that are capable of advocating better can take advantage of our education better, right? And the people that are struggling day to day have a tougher time or don't have the right language. So that's something to continually work on as well. Here on the Plan Podcast, we're talking with Leo Sarkissian, Executive Director of the ARC of Massachusetts. Are there people who are falling through the cracks, either unaware of the opportunities out there for them and because they don't appear on the outside to be any different, there hasn't been attention brought to these people. Is that an issue, and what can we do for them? 
Well, we hope there were like nowadays our website, right? And the resources we have on there, because I think uh, people who have less barriers with a disability can leverage, you know, their strengths easier and can take advantage of resources easier. But sometimes it's harder because they don't even connect right with the community. And so they may, we may not even know someone's been struggling with an issue for 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we just, there was a mom who happened to be African-American who didn't even know about respite care and family support. And her son maybe was more capable in some ways, but he lost out on services. And this happens at the school level, Jordan, where people who are just, you know, having less of a program, right? They're not, they, they get ignored sometimes with additional education that could make a difference in the kind of life they could have as they become an adult. I want if I can touch on though, another group, which sure. is the other extreme, people that need one-on-one assistance to perhaps do their activities of daily living, brush their teeth, you know, make their food, maybe even eat their food. Um, those people have been the hardest hit post COVID mm. that they're still, they're the biggest subgroup not being served in day services. So that means people are either in a residence or many of them with family and they're isolated. They've regressed in skills and also the parent caregivers or the non-parent caregivers, as the case might be, have been more taxed. So this is something we've been advocating for over the last year and a half. Right. I'd say almost two years it's because it's 37 months now almost, you know, since the shutdown. Yeah. It, it's caused all of us, it, I should say all of us, it's caused all of you in this kind of work to cast a wider net because more people get lost in the shuffle. And the pandemic uh, upset the apple cart for everybody, no question. You're out there stumping on a regular basis and working directly with legislators, not just here in the New England Bay State area, but throughout the country. How does that work? Uh, What kind of mechanism is in play that allows you to do what you can do for these people? It's it's a combination of a huge volunteer community and staff that are committed to it, both, you know, at the state and national levels. You know, I have colleagues I don't have a big, we're not big, you know, our legislative staff is really maybe it's under three people right now. It's going to be about three people any day. Now we're going through a transition to grow it. Um, and basically nationally, we work hand in hand with the arc of the United States. And then locally, some chapters are able to do more and some non-chapters, people that work with us. But we also try to get families involved. We've got about 30,000 people in a network just in Massachusetts alone. Um, that get involved through email. We encourage them to get involved in person, get to know their legislators. So the big issue right now that's reflected nationally and in Massachusetts is really the workforce. Mm. And, and on it's across the country, serious. And it's not, you know, I love restaurants. Don't get me wrong. I love to eat in restaurants. But the fact that, you know, my favorite restaurant can't hire someone is very different than a day program that's not serving 30% of the people it used to serve, plus whoever graduated, by the way, from high school over the last three years, right? If you did the numbers, that's a little different. You know, it's a little different pressure, urgency. So that's, we have a workforce bill. We'd love to see pass just for our space. And um, there's a group of trade organizations that we are supportive of who are trying to get the rates that the state pays higher so that people can be paid better. On the national level, that aligns with Home and Community-Based Services Act. Mm. That's Medicaid. Um, Medicaid's bigger than just healthcare. Medicaid's bigger than just helping the poor. It's it's about disability too. And so na- our national team, working with others, is focused on home and community-based service funding and to not cut it, 
which there's to actually talk about that because of the deal that has to be made on Capitol Hill, right, to, for the debt ceiling. So people don't appreciate sometimes. Um, they feel good when their taxes are cut. Yeah. Well, Problem, right? rolling up your sleeves and the three legislative uh, uh, experts who are working on this is hard work. You have to slog through a lot of uh, bureaucracy to get to the right people. One of the things you mentioned, of course, is care for people in the home. And there is a, 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 an important attention now being paid to caregivers and home caregivers and family. That's another part, I guess, of the ARC mission to yeah. try to help those people get through what they have to get through. Explain. Yeah, so Massachusetts historically has, uh, again, talking about Medicaid or Department of Elemental Services, rich programs, but one of the things we believe in is having family support, respite care. Many people who are even adults continue to live with family and or are interdependent with family, even if they live semi-independently. They're not in a group home. They're not in an apartment that's staffed by somebody. That's most of the people, even and especially the ones you mentioned that might have mild impairments, need for minimal support. So that's something, you know, we believe that's another phase to go through is say, hey, look, let's redesign some of this service system so that there's supports packages for individuals and families. So people can live in their own community. They don't, again, have to move to a five-person home. And also think about legacy. What happens when the parent dies? What happens? They've worked to put together this great thing for their son and daughter together collaboratively for their vision, the, the son or daughter's vision. And now suddenly they're going to pass away. They've been right there for them. Maybe as siblings in California, let's make sure they can continue to live out something that's, by the way, more cost effective too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There, there are legal, as you say, medical, social, cultural. There are so many aspects to this. You, that's why we say casting this wide arc, this wide net. I have two more things, Leo. One of them is to have you share with us a personal example, a story. Uh, you have dozens every week, I'm sure. A success story, because I like to leave people always with a smile on their face and to know that things are happening in the right direction. I got a great one. I just told you a big issue is people who need one-to-one -one help. And uh, by chance, you know, I hear stories every week. My team, uh, you know, hears stories every week. And well, this this parent has a 22, 23-year-old, graduated during COVID from school, not yet gone into a day program. And she shared in passing at a group meeting, a virtual group meeting, that she was unable to get additional assistance in home. And I said, well, that's really odd because you were given support for part of the week. You would think they would know that now you've got your hands full the full week. They can't dollar for dollar. It's not going to cover the whole week, but at least you could get additional resources, the money they would have paid, right, for the day program. So she started to ask and it was no. And, it, you know, and finally, um, you know, we advise her, you might have to ask really directly because, again, families, no matter how. And this was a sharp parent you know, very motivated to do it, understood things. But I noticed, and my team noticed, she wasn't directly asking directly enough, right, for it. And maybe having someone on my team being copied didn't hurt. And so in her meeting, they agreed to then, yeah, we get it. She's not going to her day program three days a week. You need more assistance. It might not cover the whole three days, but here you go. And and what's what you have to appreciate we, you know, one by one, we'd never get there, Jordan. You know, we really need people, educate them groups, figure out some kind of circulatory system across the state where people are, are more 
volunteers are there to support people to do this because if people don't speak up, you know, again, post COVID, one of the issues. Yeah. So this success story to me reflects others and hopefully we could, we advertise it so others will know they can ask the money's there. Don't, don't not ask, you know, um, and ask directly, ask for what you need. So that, that, that's like one example. Um, but I do have, let me, I have to comment on all the day programs. The fact that they got started, so many of them in the summer of 2020 with new rules, right? With all the distancing, they had to have six feet between people. If you think about it, right? We were blown away here. And the funding is not great for the day services. It's not like the private enterprise. So to me, like that's a huge, huge success story that even though I'm, I'm sad that all the people aren't back yet, the fact that in the summer of 2020, so many of them started and then by the fall, trying to get back people in, that's a huge success story for the whole field. And it's something that I don't talk enough about. I'm glad you're talking about it now. And I was going to say you answered much of my second question, but I want you to expound just a little bit more. I was going to ask, you know, besides all of the mechanical things and the logistical things and the money, what is the secret sauce? ARC has been successful in, in pushing forward for decades. And I think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I think the secret sauce is just kind of what you illustrated. It's people connecting. It's going the extra mile. It's making that phone call. It's not ever being satisfied to leave somebody behind. But I don't want to put words in your mouth, Mr. Leo's letters. Give us your take on that. Gordon, I, I wish I could just, you got to get that recorded piece for the future. You nailed it. It really is. And and it's it's both the chapters we have that do this and other organizations that might not be chapters, but there are people who are committed to, to you know, and, and they, they listen, you know, that's key. And the volunteers involved, it's, it, it really is a connectivity and, that's the secret sauce. And, you know, it's not just the arc. I mean, I'm, I'm proud to say we're a key piece of it. If you look at the achievements over the decades, who's been, you know, what organization's been there, regardless of the people there, but it's also families and staff and individuals saying, hey, this is a really big problem now. And look here, look over here. And I always say that I, we're not gonna know everything. And hopefully people are pushing our buttons the way we try to push other people's buttons, Jordan. So. Yeah, it really is. If we ever lose that sense of community, even in tough times when there's, you know, altercations or conflicts, we will have blown it. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Leo, what's the best website right now for people to find out more, connect and start the ball rolling? Well, we use our shortcut, which is uh, ARCMASS.org. We have two two different, our, our formal name gets there too, the ARC. Uh, the arcmass.org, but arcmass.org, A-R-C-M-A-S-S.org gets you there. And uh, we're always refining it. And um, this activity, you know, we really think um, we just need more people to be aware. But we also want to get people locally, helping each other locally. Otherwise, the things we do on the state, federal level, they don't take advantage of it. We got to help them get the right. help they need on the ground. Well, thank you for putting out the call and uh, joining us on this important podcast to uh, let people know what's happening. Leo, a pleasure as always. Great seeing, great seeing you, Jordan. So I'm telling you, I've got such fun, not only memories, I, I hear you off and on out there. So what a pleasure. You've been a great, consistent person, consistent, I would say, representative of our state for decades. So great to see you. 
He's Leo Sarkissian, Executive Director of the ARC of Massachusetts, another proud partner of Plan of Massachusetts in Rhode Island. Once again, you can visit arcmass.org. That's arcmass.org for more. We want to thank you for listening to the Plan for Special Needs Trusts podcast, presented by Plan, the Planned Lifetime Assistance Network of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Plan is a 501c3 nonprofit company where the goal for every one of its clients is always to preserve assets, protect benefits, and live well. For more, visit www.planofma-ri.org. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast. And thank you for sharing it with others. Our plan is your plan.